This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of the podcast, I speak with Phil Weaver. Phil is the owner of 43 Supercuts, Magic Cuts, First Choice Haircutters, and Rooster Men's Grooming Centers. He spent 30 years in the technology industry as a C-level executive before starting on his entrepreneurial journey. We cover a lot, including how your business offerings need to be compelling and not just interesting, and how this could mean the difference between success and failure in your business. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Phil Weaver. I'm local here in Ottawa. I have a few companies locally that um, that uh, we are managing. One is uh, First Choice Haircutters, Magic Cuts, Supercuts, and Roosters. And I also have a local company called Oakview Management, which does some business management consulting. I'm very happy to be here on the Ottawa Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome to the show, Phil. Oh, great to be here. Um, for our listeners that don't know you or about some of the companies that you're involved with, can you just kind of take us a little, give us a little bit of your background, please? Okay. I won't go too far back. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually Ottawa-born, which is unusual for Rare. Ottawa, right? Yeah, so, um, me too. And, you know, I started out initially went to Algonquin College, did the business three-year program, and of course you start in your career. I, I got involved with technology and computers back in the early uh, stages when computers were very mystical. Yeah. <laughs> and big. And uh, you could sell for a lot of money. Yeah, right. <laughs> now you buy your phone and you have more than what used to be in a big mainframe computer. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, so that's what I started out, and that was a lot of fun because I liked the, the, you know, the challenge of knowledge and learning and being very dynamic, and technology is a very dynamic industry. It changes at a very rapid pace, so I spent roughly 30 years doing that. Wow. Um, so I started out in, in the early days, a company called Burroughs, which at the time was the second largest computer company, and don't know who that is anymore. Yeah. Um, and then went to a company called Hewlett Packard, who was actually quite small at the time, and they wanted to get out of just having engineers and have more business people. Spent hmm. nine years there, and it was a lot of fun because we, they were really good with you know how you deal with people, and the focus on results and what do you do with customers and a lot of good fundamentals discipline, and then as as you would like I'm always an entrepreneurial type person I kind of like to do my own thing, mm-hmm. and that gets tougher as companies get bigger and bigger because there's more controls. Right? Of course. Um, so I evolved from there, and I, I ended up by uh, doing some startup business activities, did that for a number of years, and then evolved into uh, working for some companies like System House. I did that for four years. Hmm. And they, they were really taking large integration projects yeah, and yeah. rolling them out, and uh, so I drove a lot of the sales um, hmm. teams there for that. Okay. Um, and then went to a company called Jetform, which is now part yeah, of Adobe, yeah. and that was a lot of fun. You know, we went from a sm- relatively small business uh, you know, seven or eight million to about 115. So that was fun because it was yeah. a worldwide thing. You're in Europe, you're in Japan, wow. you're in the States. That was interesting. And, and were you always in like a sales marketing type role, Phil? Or? Well, I started uh, at Jetform uh, sales and marketing and then went uh, evolved to the uh, chief operating officer. So okay. basically, you know, more overall operational right. management right. strategy. Right. So I had the marketing and the services yeah, yeah, and the support. Everything coming at you then, and, yeah. You know, R&D development, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was about five years. So that was a lot of fun, um, uh, you know, high change, high pace. And then I went to a company in Toronto um, um, called Platform Computing, which has mm-hmm. now been bought by IBM. Okay. Uh, and that was large scale work clustering technologies, allowed you to take very complex uh, uh, problems and spread it across uh, thousands of computers. So that you know, typical you know semiconductor industry, you you 
need to model a chip that used to take months with this technology, you could do it in days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the impact on competitive uh, abilities to function was pretty significant. So we did the same thing, took that from a relatively small to a $70 million business. And uh, so that built and grew, but commuting from Ottawa to Toronto after three and a half years, it just kind of like... Oh, so you're still living in Ottawa, but you're living oh, in Ottawa. Wow, that's tough. Holy jeez. <laughs> but it's irrelevant because you're on planes, yeah, right? Guess, you know, because yeah. you're, you know, you fly to Europe, you fly to Japan, you fly, you know, like, yeah. but you kind of miss your family. Yeah. Um, so then uh, I, I ended up by taking a stint in Ottawa with a company called Nouveau Networks yeah. uh, and did that for about six years. And then we sold that company, um, got it to a good stable point, making money. And we managed networks and servers, you know, places like NBC, we did all the servers worldwide, hmm. the security for General Electric and mm -hmm. networks for the Canadian government and various banks like Royal Bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a big, large scale um, a managed services business. Very, okay. It did very, very well. But, you know, eventually investors want their money, so we sold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I said, do I keep doing this? But, you know, technology has changed a lot in, in, in the 30 years. Yeah. Um, a lot of it now is offshore in China and, and, uh, and India and various other countries and the whole dynamic and the size and everything else is different. Um, so I said, you know, it's time for me to do something local. Okay. So I went to the technology of hair. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, because that's a logical, logical place it's to go. It's a logical place to go, right? <laughs> so, you know, the criteria was I want recurring revenue. I love that because repeat, repeat. And while you don't have a recurring contract, people need to have their hair cut all the time. And if you right. treat them well, they come back. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that was one. And number two, it's really hard to outsource it or to automate it. <laughs> right. I don't think people want robots cutting their hair. So. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. So, <laughs> it was a local focus. Uh, keeps me home. It, you yeah. know, my wife's happier because I'm there. Right. I'm happier because I'm with the kids. And, yeah. you know, like they've grown up. They have their grandkids. But mm -hmm. it's a nice, for me, it was a very nice balance. And... Well, it's a really interesting industry. It's certainly a slower pace than technology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I like it. It's, it's been a good yeah, change. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the fundamentals of business are the same. So. Right, right. Now, that was, it's funny, you were rhyming off those high-tech companies, and, you know, uh, I'm guessing you and I are around the same vintage age-wise, so you're, you're taking me down memory lane with System yeah. House and Nuvo yeah. Networks and Jetform, and those are them, and that was the heyday. Although I think we've got a bit of a, of a revision that way. But so was it a conscious decision, though? You know, so you're, you know, you're in technology. Well, first of all, two things. You're, you're working for someone else, even though you're a C-level guy, which is, you know, as entrepreneur-like as you can get without actually being a, an all-in entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, so was there any thoughts given to starting a business within the technology space or you just want, you just felt that I just need a, a, a change? You know, I looked at, uh, good question, I looked at both sides of it. But you reach a certain stage, you go like, well, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And uh, I have the entrepreneur side that's always driving me, should I do this, should I do that? I kind of like the idea of going off and building another business, but I, I felt when I looked at it, I wanted something at a different pacing. Mm. You know, to me, business is business. Um, uh, you have customers, you have employees. And uh, if you understand both, then you can really build and operate in almost any industry. Um, you have to really understand the need of that particular customer and the employees, and then you're fine. Yeah. Uh, so the conscious decision, you know, at the time was, I said, I, I want to be doing something not in tech, because I did look at some options of that, but I said, no, let's do something that's local. 
uh, retail I like, and this is this is really mm-hmm. in the retail side. Yeah. Um, and it gets you closer to community, and it you know I don't have the travel that I used to have. You know, yeah. travel is nice, but it's better when it's vacation. Yeah, not. yeah. yeah. <laughs> People not, think business travel is glamorous, uh, and it's really not. You're in and out of a suitcase. You're not yeah. really visiting the places, the cities you're in, and. You know, typically meetings all day long and, and all night long sometimes too. Yeah. So yeah, you have great dinners and great yeah. people, but beyond that, it's yeah, yeah, it's long days. Yeah, and uh, and so did you start off with uh, what was the first? Was it a franchise that you purchased? Kind of yeah. take us through that. Yeah. So you know, I have simple formulas in my own mind. So everybody has their own formulas, but I I, I started with a business that we bought, um, 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 and I like businesses that either people are retiring from. Um, you know, or have been at it for a long time and they want to make a change, usually because you can get a better value for it. Okay. Um, you know, in the last four or five years of somebody's running a business, they tend not to be as aggressive. Yeah. And so good. there's opportunity to, to improve mm-hmm. and make better. Mm-hmm. And so in this particular instance, I was able to, uh, we were able to purchase a group of uh, stores. So we started with uh, 14 stores. Nice. And uh, we removed four of them over the next couple of years because they were really bad locations, okay. bad positions and that. And we've built it from there to 43 locations. Congratulations. Um, over the last 10 years. So it's wow. been a pretty spectacular growth. Um, we are fr- a franchise, but the franchisee, uh, or sorry, we are a franchisee. The franchisor um, is pretty hands-off if you're a good operator mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so they'll provide all the infrastructure support but we drive all the local with the people and you know community engaged with that kind of stuff and, and, so, and what are the brands that, that, that this falls under I know there's three yeah, or four I have we have four brands okay. one is first choice haircutters which yeah. is the mega brand in Canada they're a very dominant very successful brand uh, value-based haircuts um, you know whenever you want to pop in pop in mm-hmm. um, uh, magic cuts which is more geared towards the uh, the female audience though although we do do um, a lot of men's cuts as well but it's okay. a little bit more centered around the female and then super cuts which is um, uh, a little bit more trendy and more stylist uh, stylistic uh, and, and you get a lot younger crowd showing up to that particular brand and then recently a year ago we opened up a brand called uh, roosters Hmm. which is geared to, you know, a really nice high-end men's experience. You know, okay. Come in and get a nice shave, get yeah, a haircut. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, bang, bang, bang. It's you're there for half an hour for a haircut. You're there for half an hour for a shave. Right. And it's your little retreat in private space. So every person has their own private space. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Now, are the 43 locations, are they, are they just in Ottawa or Ottawa proper? Or, or are you going outside of the Ottawa market now? Um, we have one in Montreal. Um, and the rest are all in the Ottawa regional area. Okay. And so that's that allows us now to get a lot of focus. You get a lot of synergy when you focus, right? You know, it's sort of small geography area. We get, uh, it allows us to manage the, the, the teams better, the training, and we spend a lot of money on training and, and working with the staff and being there with them. So it's easy to get to the locations quickly. Okay. And is there, I mean, you're managing four pretty distinct brands. Um, but they're all under one umbrella. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so from a from a marketing perspective, is there is there you know, you were able to differentiate each one of them for yep. me in, in no yep. time? But is that a yep. bit of a challenge, Phil, when it comes to to to, to marketing? No, I I don't think so. Okay. I mean, first of all, over time, some of the customers have gotten to the point of they don't really know which brand is which because they just like they pop in, pop in, you know. Yeah. Um, but. The relationship focus and what you're doing in each brand 
uh, is pushed pretty uh, uh, clearly in the marketing, but more importantly, the experience from the stylist or the barber to the customer. Mm-hmm. And they see the difference. Because if you went from one brand to the other, you will see differences in what the service is delivered and how the approach is. Okay. Um, so you, you build that loyal connection at, at the chair level when you're doing that. So when you, st- you started with First Choice, yep. um, and then did you see a need for these other, other brands? Did you, like, you know, uh, did you have some data that, that said, you know what, I think we can, uh, we can have these different brands uh, uh, within an overarching brand? Yeah, like, like we brought the Supercuts in, and, and we now have uh, six locations for that. And it was clear that there was a segment that, that wasn't being addressed with the other brands. Right. So, you know, that's why we brought it in and spread it out sort of across the city so that we could address that segment. Okay. Same with Roosters. You know, you know, you ask yourself, you know, where you have barbershops and where you do have barbershops, they're not licensed. It's, you know, that's what most people don't realize that they're not trained and they're not licensed. Didn't even know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyone, and can just, gonna, anyone can just open up a... a would you like to be a barber? <laughs> <laughs> so, and they're pulling out the straight razor on your neck, right? So, so anyways, we, we saw a need and an opportunity for sort of raising the bar on quality. And, uh, but more importantly, that comfort experience for guys because, you know, they're ignored. Yeah. The ladies have a nice place to go to that's sort of for them. <laughs> and where do the guys go? So that's kind of... The, so we, that, we did that. Now, with the Magic Cuts, it used to be a competitor that would go head-to-head with uh, First Choice. So it was kind of a funny positioning because they were both kind of doing the same thing with different names. Um, and so what we've been evolving is we've been evolving the, the, the Magic Cuts more around the, the audience of women with chemicals and color and because there's a real opportunity for getting more affordable. You know, why spend two $250 to get a color when you can get it for 80 bucks? Mm-hmm. And we use the high-end colors like Goldwell and Paul Mitchell, so it's it's the elite of the elite. Right. So, But the issue is you don't have to charge that to somebody. So we, we've, we're creating a void, that, or going to the void that's been created so that we can fill it. Hmm. So that's how you segment uh, the pieces that you want to. So I, I'm sure there's a lot of differences between what you did in technology and what you're doing today. But is there? I'm sure there's a lot of similarities. You mentioned earlier on in the podcast that you know business is business and the same principles apply. But is there maybe one or two or even three kind of go-to principles that you say, you know what, the same things I did in technology are now applying in this new space? This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to book your free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business. Uh, to me, you know, and you, you know, business is business is business. There's a lot of commonalities that they're the same. Accounting is accounting and people are people. But um, I've always gone back to what is the need that you're trying to address and what is the demand that will drive a big result? You know, a mistake in technology sometimes is if I build it, they will come. Maybe. Um, but if you build it and they will come, is based on something where the market need, need is going to be, you know. And there's some re- great examples of, of that where somebody just built a really great solution that people came to, like Apple with the phone, right? But um, lots of people tried stuff way early and it failed. They did it right, right? So I always go back to... What is the need that you're trying to address? Is it compelling or is it just interesting? Mm. If it's just interesting, then, you know, maybe some will buy it, maybe some won't. But if it's compelling, where it is an impacting value, um, and you can demonstrate that very simply, 
And very simply defined is you better take less than 60 seconds um, and people get it, then you've got something you can sell. So it starts with the need. And then number two is, have you got the people that are the right quality that can execute? And if they get it and they understand it and they work as a team, then I think you've got something. And, and, and the, that's the biggest challenge because you can have great people, but some of them don't want to work as a team. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather have good people that work as a team that get it than great people that are sort of all by themselves. Yeah, You know, it's, it's very important hmm. to have a great focus of people and a, a real good understanding of the business focus. What's the problem you're trying to solve and is, is it compelling? If you have that, yeah. then you have a business. And all businesses are the same, even technology. Technology isn't one product, it isn't one need. It's a whole lot of different things that have evolved over the last number of years. So I think you start there. Okay. And, and if I go back to some of the technology experiences, some of the companies where like, if you talk about Jetform or you talk about Platform and that, um, uh, they had a great technology that people were buying, but to take it to the next level, you had to look at what's the driving reason why they were buying it to let more people know and understand that this is what the need is, and this is how you're satisfying it. And when you do that, all of a sudden magic happens, sales start to explode, and things do better. And you go like, well, what did you do? Well, you understood what the customer's needs were and how you're addressing it. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what all businesses wow. go back to. I've never heard that comparison: interesting versus compelling. Did I get that right? Yeah. So, Phil, are you are you of the belief that too many businesses they they're kind of hanging their hat on the fact that their product or service is interesting and and yeah. and, and they're now you can still can you still have success with it with a business that Absolutely. sells it, but Absolutely. your odds decrease. Is this what we're? Well, it's to me like there's lots of interesting tougher. businesses that do well, but are they going to get to that next level of uh, of impact? You know, you have to have something that really drives. If you're pushing the business, that's a tougher cost and a tougher sell. Right. If the, when the customers start to pull the business, mm. you mm-hmm. have a much better, bigger momentum. And usually mm-hmm. it's around, you know, how compelling and how, how valuable is it? And it's easy to get caught up in your own, I'm great, because you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't think <laughs> it was great, right? <laughs> right. And you, you see the need, but is the need the way everybody sees it? Not through your, you know, tinted glasses. So yeah, yeah. it's the hardest thing to do. You know, I get caught up in the same thing. Oh, people should do this. Well, but you go back. What are you really doing with it? Hmm. Yeah, I can remember uh, 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 at Jetform. You know, they were they were originally making electronic forms. So mm-hmm. this was this nice container. And of course, well, people want forms, right? <laughs> right. Actually, people don't want forms. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so you went around, and we went around, and we spent a few months, and we traveled to all the major people that had the product. Well, first of all, we found out they didn't spend very much for it, so they were getting a real good deal. Uh, but what we found out was it was a major problem that they were unable to solve very easily because they had a lot of mainframe computers with data, and they were trying to service customers at a branch level in a bank or an insurance company. And so they were using the product to pull data out of a print stream at a mainframe mm-hmm. and send it down to the branch. You know, like, oh, so they don't have to spend tens of millions of dollars to do this, and now they're focusing on the customer service experience. Right. So our product wasn't a form, 
it was enabling them to service the customer with a loan document with the right terms and conditions at the time they needed right then and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you shifted and understood that, first of all, you charge more. <laughs> right. And people get it better. <laughs> right. We right. can help you deliver loan documents today rather than tomorrow. Oh, yeah. okay. Now, that sounds like it's not much of a revolution today, but you go back 30 back then, years ago. Was, for sure. That Absolutely was a breakthrough. Was. Yeah, yeah. So understanding what people are really trying to do and why is very important. Hmm. Is there, um, that, that's really interesting. I, you know, it's funny because we, uh, with the other business I'm involved with, we do a fair amount of coaching and consulting. And I've never really looked at it that way. I've always kind of, you know, kind of need versus want. And I guess it's something mm-hmm. similar. It's a similar concept. In but sales, I like the right? way you've explained it. It's, it's, yeah. it's more in depth than just need versus want. Because yeah. I think sometimes that gets a bit of a gray area versus interesting uh, versus compelling is very very clear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Wow. And when did you discover that? Is that some was that something you've always kind of known, uh, or was really when you started this new business, or when you're looking at businesses to potentially buy that that's that was your that was your kind of north star. You know, um, I think sometimes things happen and you don't realize it's happened. Okay. Um, uh, but you know, after you've hit the head against the wall a few times, you start to get smarter. <laughs> um, but I mean, my my early days, I, I learned all the basics like accounting and finance and all that stuff, which is interesting but not motivating to me. Right. Um, um, so I, I started out early in the sales world, and in the sales world, you learn really quickly how to ask questions, mm-hmm. and you learn how many times you got to know. And 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 early days, I learned that a no is just an opportunity to find a yes, right? Right, right. But you have to keep poking and poking and poking. And eventually you start to realize that there were commonalities when you were trying to, pre- to present something or do something. Um, and, then you, you know, you, tr- you, I, you you have to be a student of other companies, what worked for them, what didn't work for them, what was successful, and why did companies fail if you spark mm-hmm. And, you know, simple magazines like Business Week, <laughs> Wall yeah, Street, yeah. they tell you all these stories about this company hit the wall, that failed, and, and you roll it down, it was decisions that they made or they were out of step with where things were going. And hindsight is brilliance, but by understanding that, it's a it's kind of a guidepost for things that you're engaged with today. Mm-hmm. And so I think that just evolved in the, in the early years, and it became something that I became passionate about, was understanding that early, early on. Yeah. And I think it served me well with a lot of things we've done over the number of years and it's my reference point that I use. Is there is there any advice you'd give to an entrepreneur that's listening right now that that may <clears throat> that may be listening to what we're saying and saying, "Oh my gosh, I've got a business that's interesting, not compelling, and maybe that's why I'm struggling a bit." Is there anything they can do to kind of move the needle from interesting to compelling or or is or once you're once you're there, you're you're it's it's. I don't want to say it's too late. I don't believe it's ever too late yes. for anything. But yeah. is there anything they can do to, to to move that needle a bit? I think it's only too late if you don't listen and don't change. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> you know, uh, if you're not changing, you're always moving forward or backwards. And in right. tech, you're moving forward backwards very quickly. Yes, yes. In, in other industries, it might take decades before you yeah. get to that point. Yeah. I I like to go to the customer. And don't ask, hey, do you like it? No, no. What are you doing with it and why? And who else, who, what else are people doing? How are they solving that problem? What are some of the other people doing? And th- then you start asking questions like the lifeboat, you know? You know, if you got into trouble and, and they were trying to move the business forward, does this stay in the lifeboat, you know, or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this part of the solution or is it one of the nice-to-haves? 
And so you, if you get to know the customer and you talk to people and then go to the market, that's how you learn. Um, sometimes you find out that what you have, you think it's A when it's really being used as a B, you know, like it's used differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, 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 you get your innovation by understanding what's, where it's going. And products evolve based on customer need and what they want to do. It's interesting because really when you're, you're, when you're speaking to talking to customers, you're talking about a, a, a form of market research, if I had to put it under a, a term. Sure, I just I've never been one to have all the filters. I yeah, like yeah. To, well, then I like then, to go right to the horse's mouth. And this, mouth, and this you know? was my point. Too many businesses I know um, that we work with think that you know I've got to spend all this money on market research. Well, yes, sometimes you have to, but there are other times just go talk to your customers, like you just said. You know, like here's a good story locally. Like people like local stories, but in the early days, uh, Cognos, which is now part of IBM, was called Quasar Systems. Mike Potter was running it. And they were a consulting organization to the government, which is a lot of companies were, right? They sell to the government because there's good money there and they do all this stuff. And they had an organization, uh, 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 National Sport and Rec, that had a particular need. So they built this and it was a report writer, basically. They, and what they wanted was, we need the information out of all the stuff that we're doing to be able to figure out, you know, what we're trying to get done. And so the, the, the they had actually, uh, um, Bob Mintz was the guy leading the team and and he did it really smartly like he didn't build it just as a one-off he built this in a nicely written piece of code and then he started to find other people were interested so you know while they're doing the consulting business he got a few other people interested and then a few more people interested and then they're like well maybe we should get serious about this so Hmm. let's try this and go present it to a few other people in a little trade show well then they got a lot of interest so then they said well maybe we should focus so but that came out of a real compelling customer requirement right and a lot of technology firms that's how they evolve they mm-hmm. evolve right at the customer in the moment in the moment yeah, and they yeah. adjust and they now there are other companies that will have a vision to what they want to accomplish and they go and build that vision but clearly somebody had this bright moment of this is what i need and this is what should be done but i'm sure through the course of that they learned a lot and the product evolved, and I, that's 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 how I think you really build world class. Wow! So just to, to change gears here quickly, um, you're running these 43 businesses. Yeah. Um, time management. I always like to ask this question for any entrepreneurs that are listening that may be struggling with you know trying to do everything that has to get done in a day. Is there any is there any uh, tips or, or uh, techniques that you've learned over the years that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I, I don't know if there's any magic sauce, but I, I always believe you look at what you're doing and try to decide what you don't need to do. And, you know, it's interesting because time will get consumed by what you have available. Mm. And you're pretty smart. And if you and, and that's sort of guideline one, number one. Number two is get great people and, and start to empower them. You know, get great people, empower them, show them the way, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And a lot of times they'll come up with better solutions than you will, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> like this sure. is what we're trying to do. This is why we're trying to do it. This is where we're going with it. And and when you do that, they take that and start to move. Well, funny thing happens. You don't get all these phone calls anymore. You don't have all this <laughs> other stuff going on. Um, right. And because of technology, I love to automate. So there's a ton of stuff that you can just eliminate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, the, in in the business that we're in now, there used to be hordes of paper. 
And I'm not a f- paper fan because, like, now what do I do with it? you got to file it, right. count it, and all that stuff. So you computerize. So there's a lot of stuff that you can automate by getting rid of the silly stuff that really, why are you wasting your time on that? Mm-hmm. And so technology can be a big friend if you're focusing it correctly. Um, empowerment helps you leverage and focus is really important. What is what is going to give you the biggest value? Why are you spending your time on that? Mm-hmm. Is that really worthwhile? Is there something else that could be done? Could you push that into your organization and let them handle it? And you know, like in our example, you know, there's a number of things we now have the the, the managers in the store do that they didn't do before. And, right. and one of my managers uh, said to me a number of years ago, says, "Oh." So you want me to be a manager? I said, yes, that's it. <laughs> this is your business. You're running it. The only thing is you don't have all the other stuff you have to deal with. Yeah. You just have to focus on the customer and the team. Right. You make that magical, then it's and, and this is where it works, right? Yeah. And as your skill levels get up, you keep the continuity of the people in place. You cut the turnover. You got you got to keep turnover really low. Mm-hmm. Then then it, then all of a sudden your work starts to reduce. Because people understand the vision of where you're going and what you're trying to accomplish, and you're giving them the room to function, mm-hmm. because people want to function and do a great job if they understand where you're going. Do, do you think too many entrepreneurs struggle though that they that they don't want to let go? It's it's part of our DNA a little bit. Well, listen, I have the same problem. You know, control is nice. <laughs> it's really good. I got it. Right. Uh, but the trick is to find the things that you can absolutely let go. And you have to. You have to find the mm. stuff that you got to let go. And uh, it, it, the, some of the balances is you let go too much and then business gets into trouble. If you're too far back and you haven't put the checkpoints in place, you can go off in a direction you didn't realize. So it's not just punt it and run. Right, right. You have to be smart about what you do and how you're doing it. Hmm. So we're, we're almost out of time. Uh, time flew on, on this one with you. Um, I know you're involved with the community or your, your companies are. Can you share a little bit uh, about some of the work that you're doing in our community, please? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, to me, we have, because we are local, local based, we have to try to contribute and help. And we try to support different causes that the team have an interest in and try to do that. But there are a couple of areas that we've taken a strong interest to try to do. Uh, one is the uh, childhood cancer, and, and we've worked every year with uh, the Ottawa University with their medical students. They run some sponsorships to raise money with CHEO. It's, it's, you hear the stories, it's pretty oh, sad. Yeah, so yeah. We try to work with them on that to help that particular cause. And uh, um, uh, recently we started to, to spend a whole lot more time helping the, the military because there's some causes and there's military families that need assistance. And so we're there as part of what we do to sort of help the, those causes, to help those families that need assistance. And uh, two, two, two great causes. Yeah, yeah, they really are. And yeah. I, I, you know, we have a lot of time for the military to put their life on the on the line and the families that support them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you can't forget that. That's no. extremely important. Where can our listeners find out more about uh, about the the various uh, locations and, and types of businesses that you have? <laughs> All right. Well, we have four brands, yeah. and, and you know, so if you go to uh, uh, Roosters uh, um, uh, on the web or to Magic Cuts, you can download our app and you can book appointments. There's websites for that. First Choice Haircutters, the same thing. There's a a website that has all of the locations, any place you want to go, and you can do bookings uh, uh, for the day on, on, on the website. And uh, as well for Supercuts, there's a mobile app that you can download. So it makes it convenient for the customer. Great. Thanks very much for your time, Phil. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs>